Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD and certification, I also hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation law and a master of the laws of intellectual property law. Now, because of my education, my training, my experiences, my life's observations, and most importantly, my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation, and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. Yes, bankruptcy law, because as I've shared with you before, it intersects with just about every other area of the law and is therefore eternally interesting. I also practice some related fields in my overall financial practice, including debt wealth management, estates and trust, real estate, uh, also insurance, and of course, taxation law. Now, as these areas of law act as my reference points, that is to say, as they relate to the personal, familial, community, and small business aspects of finance, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people and communities of color, including indigenous communities. And because I was born into a military family and grew up as a military brat big time, and I always will be one, especially the brat part. And, you know, I helped create another uh, military brat with my former spouse who was also in the Army. As such, I have firsthand knowledge of just how hard it can be sometimes financially and economically for our citizen soldiers, sailors, airmen and women and Marines and their families in our sometimes or got to say mostly less than patriotic capital based economic system, especially after these individuals and their families separate from the service. As such, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. And as I've shared with you in the past, I was raised by a dad who gave back to this country big time via his military service. And he informed me and my younger brothers that we, too, had a duty to give back to our community and to our society 
as a whole and to the universe through some form of service of our own choosing in exchange, in minor exchange for the great gifts and the innumerable blessings God has given me. And on top of having a great father who is committed to help steer me in the right direction as I was preparing to leave his nest, I had the great fortune to both know and spend a lot of time with and actually became great friends, BFFs, with both my maternal and paternal grandmothers, both of whom survived the four great economic challenges of the 20th century. That is to say, the Great Depression, the privations of World War II, and unfortunately, the systemic racism and misogyny that I have to bear witness continues through into our society today. And as these wonderful women helped raise me and always loved me and shared with me the stories of their grandparents who loved and raised them in the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow South, it is out of my great love and respect for these wonderful women who were always with me in spirit, along with my dad, urging me on to do the right thing that through my current chosen form of service, that is to say practicing and also speaking and writing about the law, that I'm sometimes able to at least attempt to vindicate the rights of women and seniors and the disabled who find themselves the targets of, and unfortunately more and more, the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of disabled adult and elder financial abuse that you could ever imagine that seems to be running rampant in our very greedy society today. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more probably than not these days, an insufficient amount thereof. And what you may need to consider to protect or reclaim, uh, rehabilitate your families or your small businesses, financial health, wealth and money related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational form. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help. I believe, I sincerely believe you need if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your finances and or your other assets or especially your debt. Now, firstly, I want to share my deep and heartfelt condolences with the families of the three fallen part-time citizen soldiers who lost their lives this past Sunday, January 28, 2024, defending our freedoms while deployed with the rest of their Army Reserve Engineering Unit, that is to say the 7th 18th Engineer Company of the 926th Engineering Battalion uh, from the um, 926th Engineering Brigade that was based in Fort Moore, Georgia. Now, two of the three fallen patriots were young Black women who were posthumously promoted to sergeant this past Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. And in accord with um, the Armed Forces uh, sponsored newspaper, Stars and Stripes, the Army ordered the 
uh, promotions to the now sergeants Kennedy L. Sanders, age 24, from Waycross, Georgia, and Brianna Moffitt, age 23, from Savannah, Georgia, in, I, and I quote, in recognition of their exceptional courage, dedication, and leadership during their deployment. Now, this according to a statement from the United States Army Reserve Command that's based at Fort Liberty, North Carolina. Now, the third soldier, also black, was Sergeant William J. Rivers, age 46, from Carrollton, Georgia. Again, according to Stars and Stripes, Sergeant Sanders, Moffat, and Rivers were deployed to Jordan in support of an anti-Islamic state operation and were killed when a drone launched by an Iran-backed militia group crashed into their living quarters on a small base known as Tower 22 near Jordan's border with Syria and Iraq. And again, according to Stars and Stripes, the Pentagon and President Biden have vowed to retaliate for their deaths. Uh, Biden said this, this is past Tuesday, that he held Iran responsible, and I quote, responsible in the sense that they are supplying the weapons to the people who did it. The president said that he had decided had how he would respond to the t- attack, but would not provide any details. And it is my understanding that that retaliation has commenced and um, I'm recording this show on Friday. Uh, this is the 2nd of February. Now, I want to talk again about our fallen patriots. As published in on Wikipedia's website, the United States Armed Forces has something known as a dignified transfer, and it's a procedure honoring the return of the remains of a service member from the theater of operations where they have died in the service of the United States. The transfer is conducted upon arrival at Dover Air Force Base in Delaware from the arriving aircraft and the remains are transferred um, via automobile to the Charles C. Carlson Center for Mortuary Affairs. It's also on Dover Air Force Base. The U.S. military officials do not designate the dignified transfer as a ceremony so that the loved ones of the deceased don't feel obligated to attend. Instead, it is described as a solemn uh, moment of the transfer of the remains. Now, a dignified transfer is conducted for every military member who dies in the theater of operation while he's in or she is in service of our country. And the ranking member of the military branch comes and pays tribute to the remains. So I got to tell you that I took time out today to watch the replay, and it was very moving to see our president and all the leadership of the armed forces attend that very dignified service. Now, some of you might be wondering why I have called out the race of these fallen heroes. After all, why should it ever matter what the race is uh, as we all stand ready to give lives in defense of this great nation? Well, you know, it does matter especially here when we find ourselves at the intersection of Black History Month, witnessing actions by some on the right who would have us erase any mention of the trials and tribulations and contributions of Black folk from American history, while they launch an attack 
on the final area of affirmative action in education that I believe is needed to have a diverse as possible pool of service members in leadership roles when according to a report by the Pew Research Center, um, our active duty members military membership has dropped from 3.5 million in 1986 during the military draft area when I was era when I was in middle school to about 1.3 million in today's all voluntary force. As such, our current active duty service members now comprise less than one percent of all United States. Um, adults. So it does matter that, and I'm going to share with you when we come back, the fact that black women especially are overrepresented in the military, that we need to do all that we can to assure that up and down the line of, a, of the military, it reflects the composition of those that volunteer every day and as we see, sometimes they have to make the greatest gift of all. So when we come back, I'll take a closer look at the racial and gender composition of our military. But first, we'll take a short break and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we launch into our discussion of today's topic by taking a closer look at the racial and gender composition of our military and why it's so important that those of us who want to have a leadership role in, in our military, have access to our military academies, including West Point, so that the leadership of our military can reflect the rank and file of our enlistees in order for those who volunteer con to continue to have confidence in our military leadership as a whole. Now, before the break, I share with you the fact that as of today, there are around 1.3 million uh, active duty military members here in the United States. And that represents less than 1% of all the adults in our country. So much so that I heard a commentator say today that very few of us actually have ever met a veteran or especially an active duty service member, which when I was growing up was unheard of. And inasmuch as blacks are overrepresented in the rank and file of our 100% voluntary military, this according to the Department of Defense's projections in its 2022 20, demographic report that points out that between 17 to 20% of all active duty members are black compared to our overall percentage of the United States population, which is 13.6%. I say in order to maintain the confidence of our troops, men and women of color need to continue to have access to the leadership roles in our armed forces via the only programs that make it 
that where they learn all the skills and tools that they need. And that is through access to our military academies, including West Point, which has become the target of a group of litigants determined to turn back the clock. And I don't mean back to a good time. Why do I believe this is important? And more to the point, why did these fallen heroes think joining an ethically, um, racially, and gender diverse army was important to them? Well, as reported by David Phillips and Sean Keenan in the New York Times on Wednesday, January 31st, 2024, Sergeants Moffitt and Saunders, like many young black women, were joined to the military for the opportunities and the level playing field it offered. Both sergeants were heavy equipment operators doing a tough job in a hostile region. They were also young black women from Georgia who loved hip hop, laughing and friends, and they loved the army. And they were uh, representative of a type of American who is increasingly serving in the military these days. Black women account for 36 percent of all enlisted women in the army compared to, as I told you, are uh, 13.6% of civilian female population in this country. And Black women have an outsized presence in the highest enlisted rank. Did you know that more than half of the Army's female sergeant majors, and that's the highest rank for an enlisted person, um, again, (laughs) more than half of the Army's female sergeant majors are black women. Now, again, as reported by Mistress Philip Ben Keenan in his article, you think the military, um, like most people, are you think it would be comprised of men, but in fact, African American women are heavily overrepresented. This according to Brenda Moore, a professor of sociology at the State University of New York in Buffalo, who has studied this trend for decades. The reasons are simple. The Army is one of the first large employees to strip structural racism from its organization. Uh, Though other forms of racism persist, the military in the civil rights era was one of the few places where a black woman could find open doors and equal opportunity. Military service comes with a benefit that can be rare in civilian blue collar jobs. And recruits don't need to know somebody or have a degree to get hired by the Army. So the Army is a good deal, Ms. Moore concludes. You know, I'm a living example of the benefits and rewards of growing up as a military brat in a country that is less than welcoming and hospitable to black women. Because in addition to having family and friends who nurtured and loved me as a child and a young lady, I was also protected by a bubble of emotional support and economic security that most blacks in America did not at that time have and still mostly don't have access to now. This bubble of emotional and economic support was first provided to me by my dad through his service and my stepfather who was in the Air Force when I was a child and a young lady. 
and also by my former spouse's service in the Army, as well as my own service as a Department of Defense civilian in my teens and early 20s. And even after I no longer worked for the Department of Defense, when I provided engineering services through my civilian employers right back to the deep Department of Defense. Did you know that although many have and continue to this day cast me as an incompetent inferior in my own current career as a lawyer, I have to tell you that while I know I'm far from perfect, I know these naysayers are full of it. Now, growing up with the knowledge that there would always be a roof over my head and good food to eat from the commissary and access to great education anywhere my family was stationed was very stabilizing for a young black girl. It also gave me the time and energy to explore myself and the universe and everything in between that was of interest and made was curious formed of curiosity for me and more importantly gave me the confidence to know that I can deal with just about any obstacle that's placed before me with God's help I know that I can achieve anything so I want those feelings of what I grew up with and which although I never met or talked to them were also the experience of Sergeant Sanders and Moffat to be shared with other black women and girls, no matter our age and no matter where we come from. Unfortunately, as reported in Bloomberg Law in an article written by Linda Wheeler on January 26, 2024, the same group that successfully fought for uh, and effectively ended affirmative action at public and private universities last year is now asking the Supreme Court to step in and at least temporarily stop the U.S. Military Academy at West Point from using race as a factor in its admission decisions. Now, Students for Fair Admission asked the court in an emergency request this past Friday to issue a preliminary injunction by uh, January 31st, which is when the West Point stops accepting or did stop accepting applications for uh, the upcoming um, um, uh, school year. I don't know that you remember in a footnote for the uh, overturning of affirmative action, Chief Justice Roberts exempted military academies, saying that in light of the potentially distinct interests they may present, um, they were allowed to continue to use race as one of the many factors to get into that school. Now, the group that wants to do away with affirmative action, they just don't believe it's necessary. But I'm sharing with you that if the majority of people that volunteer to serve in the enlisted ranks are people of color and especially black people and especially black women, we as a country need to do all that we can to make sure that the upper echelons of our military also reflects the diversity. Now, remember, we don't have a draft. Everybody that wears a uniform today has volunteered. And if more black and brown people and more black women are voluntarily putting their lives on the line, and they are, as we can see, they also need to have access to graduating from the military academies. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. So we're going to leave it there for now. But as always in closing here at Selman's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law and clear 
including gaining the knowledge we need to understand how court decisions can and will have a direct impact on the readiness of our 100% voluntary military at a time when the world has at least two active wars and the rumors of many, many others. Till next time, take care. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. 